I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. I got what I deserved. What a great song. Love it. Love that song. And for those of you like myself that are huge Breaking Bad fans, that is a song at the very last scene of the, the entire show. Is it really? Yes. And it is like the most intense, crazy scene, best ending to any series ever. I mean, I think that is a little bit of a stretch. Best ending. I mean, you got you got a lot of history of television you're competing with. Not to not to say that it's not a great show and not to say it's a great ending, uh, but it's. It, I mean, as the best ever. I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch. But I'll go with it. I'll well, go didn't with it. a guest not too long ago say Freebird was the best song ever? I, from what I remember, yes. So everybody has an opinion. Everybody does have an opinion, and. And I, I think we have to respect that. And actually, the reason this is fresh in my mind, um, I am just now getting through the series for the fourth time. And I've got like, I'm on the last episode. <laughs> Breaking last Bad episode. again? Yes, four times I've gone through it. Wow. And every time I watch it, this time, this is the first time I've gone through it and I've had the subtitles on because you, you, there's just so much you miss. What about, uh, do you watch Better Call Saul? Uh, you know, we haven't gotten into it. How have you watched Breaking know, Bad know, four know, times I, and not watched Better Call Saul? And I just said that the other night. I'm like, we really have to watch Better Call Saul. Yeah, you need, you need to branch out. Before you go to watch Mad Men for the seventh time, Yeah, start, yeah, something, yeah. start something new. All right, all right. I'm going to take that advice. All right, big news. Um, just came out today, as a matter of fact. The G-Hawks are going to be at the uh, Recality, Reality Capture Network Conference. Uh, and that would be October 10th through the 13th in Boise. Cannot wait for this event oh, yeah. last year i believe was the first inaugural year of the event and everybody that i've talked to that had attended it said it was one of the best conferences they've ever been to so really looking forward to that um it's it's gonna be epic as they say uh I, yeah i look forward to it for sure and one other announcements i have uh breast cancer awareness month is coming up in october yes it is correct and of course the geoholics have uh, a, a t-shirt design. I'm we have. not going to let the cat completely out of the bag right It's a now. little bit of a surprise. It is, it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> it is very um, on par, let's say. Yes, yes. With, that's a good... With who we yes. are, what we represent, and I... I God, I just wish I could show everybody right now, but here in the next week or two, uh, the shirts are going to be available, and I'm really looking forward to getting them out there. I think the response is going to be... Uh, it, it, it's going to be good. It's a lot of help from uh, from our good friend, PETA. PETA has played a huge role in pulling this graphic together, and again, um, just wait. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. I can't wait. So we have a small cast this evening. It's just producer Sean and myself. That is correct. And how are you? I am outstanding as always. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a Thursday, so wrapping up the week. Um, yeah, I cannot complain about anything. Things are going really well. That's good. It's good. Yeah. You just you have a really good demeanor about you right now. I mean, what can I say? I mean, I'm usually like this, so you I are. don't know where the uh, connotation comes from. But, I mean, maybe it's because the Braves are one and a half games out of the Mets. Oh, and that's, that's right. a big deal. We've been behind them all season. <laughs> yep. So I'm looking forward to overtaking them for first. Got a couple wagers sure. with some good friends going on that uh, will make it a good year. 
you and your wagers. Ah, Jesus. yes. More we're, to follow. We're going to get to that in a second, as a matter of fact. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that opening song. Uh, that was Badfinger, uh, a song called Baby Blue. Uh, Badfinger were a Welsh band formed in Swansea who were active from the 1960s to the 1980s. Their best-known lineup consisted of Pete Ham, Mike Gibbons, Tom Evans, and Joey Molland. They are recognized by their influence in the 1970s power-pop genre. Badfinger had four consecutive worldwide hits from 1970 to 1972. Come and get it, no matter what, day after day, and what you just heard, Baby Blue. It is estimated that the band has sold 14 million albums. Pretty amazing. 70 to 72. Were you even born? I was not. And I had not even heard of this band (laughs) prior to this evening and didn't even realize they were the, they were the band Uh, that was on the last episode of Breaking Bad. So great, great. Classic, classic. Adding (laughs) value is what you can say. Exactly. And 14 million albums. That's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, and especially in the sixties to the eighties, I mean, you were buying vinyl at that point. So that's like worth what, like 10 times the amount of downloads right now at, at least. (laughs) At least. All right. Uh, here we are in the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio. Um, I know I've mentioned this before, but I was just noticing the other day how on point Trent Keenan and his team have their social media. The Diamondback Land Surveying social media, like on Instagram and even on Facebook, um, they are just doing a great job. So yes. I highly recommend if you're not following them, um, check them out on Instagram, check them out on Facebook, give them a like, give them a follow. Tons of great content there. And uh, while you're look, liking the Diamondback land surveying stuff, feel free to like the Geoholic stuff as if, well. If you so choose, we're not biased at all. But if, if that if that uh, tickles your fancy, by all means, hit that like. We'd love to have you. Love to have you. And, of course, he has Mentoring Mondays, which is still rolling along, and Wisdom Wednesdays. And you can find both of them at... Well, you can find Mentoring Mondays at mentoringmondays.xyz. You can find Wisdom Wednesdays at wisdomwednesdays.xyz. So uh, give it a look. Tons of stuff going on there. And uh, uh, a lot of, uh, I'm very grateful for, for Trent Keenan and everything he does, not only for the geoholics, Absolutely. but for the profession. And it probably doesn't help that right before the show, I did a 15-minute di- meditation. Yeah. And it was about gratitude. Really? So I'm feeling very grateful at the moment. I can tell. <laughs> So we have a new segment. I think we've touched on it maybe last week. Yeah, we talked about it. Producer Sean's Degenerate Lock of the Week. I mean, degenerate is a a bad connotation. I mean, but I like it. It it, It's all in in good fun. Uh, Speaking of degenerate, though, how many fantasy football leagues did you tell me you're in? um, Like 10. Well, I would say like six leagues where I'm picking players and then another three or four where I'm picking teams and between college and football. So there's probably about eight that I need to keep up with on a weekly basis. So would you say that you are knowledgeable when it comes to NFL, college football and the like? I would say I am involved. Involved. Yes. So I think that of the two of us, you are probably best positioned to present the lock of the week. Yes. And this is going to be a weekly segment um, that we're going to start with, with this week being number one. I'm excited. Um, you know, this being the first week, here's the disclaimer. This is all for fun. Uh, gambling addiction is a thing. I'm sure on all the apps and everything that you see, there is plenty of outreach. If you think you have a problem, please utilize those avenues for help. That also being said, I am not a great gambler. So proceed 
with caution on anything that I might say. At your own risk. At your say. own risk is what they might say. So <laughs> this being the the in, the inaugural degenerate stone called lead pipe lock Ooh. of the week. Fingers crossed, buddy. Uh, and Fingers crossed. We're two weeks from NFL and one week from college football. So I picked two college teams on their overall season win total. Mm. Um, and of course, extremely biased because one of which is U of A, uh, which uh, I took this at about a month ago. I saw it at two and a half wins was the over under on total wins for the Wildcats. And I think that now I just saw it. I think it's at three and a half wins. I still feel pretty good about that. I think they're going to hit somewhere between four and five wins this year, maybe even squeak out a six and six year. Wow. I just think they're due, and it'd be a lot of fun to see them get more than one win. I, they, it's just got to happen. So the odds are, are pretty decent. I saw it about plus 120, plus 130, mm. something like that. So if you if you see it and you love the Cats, I would say have fun with them this season and roll with the three and a half over. I like it. Uh, and being the first one, I have to put in my favorite, my alma mater, the NC State Wolfpack. They are returning 10 defensive starters and the preseason player of the year. Wow. I would say eight and a half wins is a very modest, understated win total for the season. I've seen nine and 10 win projections. I completely homer pick here. Take the over. I'm confident on nine, hopeful for 10, and a solid bowl this year. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. I think those are two really solid inaugural picks. I mean, you know, pre as we go on, there's going to be weekly games, and I'll find something that maybe uh, we can have some fun with each week. But for, for this one on the first one, season totals, there you go. Love it, love it. Can't wait to see what you come up with next week. And during the NFL season, this is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, because we'll be able to see how I'm doing, and obviously yep. there will probably be more betting on the opposite of what I say, but, you know, that's kind of how it goes. We'll keep track, don't you? Oh, worry? absolutely. All right, my turn. Time for this week's Liquid Death Weekly Words of Wisdom. Uh, here we go. We define ourselves far too often by our past failures. That's not you. You are this person right now. You're the person who has learned from those failures. Um, of course, from one of my heroes, Joe Rogan. Yes. That's solid. solid. I, I am. I, we, I, we talked about this earlier today, and I mentioned to Kent on, it reminds me of the show Ted Lasso, and he encourages his guys to be a goldfish. Mm. As in, you, you have a short memory. Shorter the better. Learn and move on. Especially when you're a gambler. Absolutely. Don't yep. let your past 10 losses inf influence you at all. <laughs> Be confident and move forward. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I, we don't have time for tonight, but I have yet to tell my Joe Rogan story. Having okay. seen right. him a couple weeks ago when he was in Phoenix. Oh, not, yes. Not yes, having the, a ticket, but still getting to see Joe Rogan himself. So next well, show. Yeah, next show we'll, 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 we'll plug that one in. We will plug that one in. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. Did you know that in the United States of America, there has only ever been one fort built for the explicit protection of land surveyors? 
Yes, you heard me correctly. In 1786, the U.S. literally constructed a military fort in Ohio to protect the local surveyors from the threat of indigenous attacks. The fort was named Fort Steuben. To tell you more about Fort Steuben, I'm going to read a piece of history directly from their website. If you want more information about this historic land site, please visit oldfortsteuben.com. On July 4, 1776, Philadelphia could claim that the United States began here. On September 30, 1785, geographer of the United States Thomas Hutchins planted a marker near what is now called East Liverpool, Ohio, denoting the point of beginning of the rest of the United States. It was at this point that Hutchins began surveying the geographer's line of the seven ranges the line from which all the townships were to be measured and marked. Eight states sent deputies to assist in the land survey. New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Virginia, Maryland, and Georgia. The surveyors were to run their survey lines by measurement of the true meridian rather than magnetic compass. This meant that they were taking sightings on Polaris and the sun to assure accuracy. This was long and tedious work. They were paid by the mile, not by the day, and only $2 at that. The team worked for a week and measured four miles before abandoning the project to threats from Native Americans. In 1786, Congress realized that some changes had to be made if the survey was to be completed. First, they suspended the true meridian requirement for the less accurate but quicker magnetic compass method. Then they agreed to send military troops to protect the surveyors. Those troops were from the 1st American Regiment, who then built and occupied Fort Steuben. Although most of the original survey markers have disappeared, in 2012, a marker from 1830 was uncovered by ODOT workers clearing a hillside along Route 7. In 2013, the stone marker was moved and installed at historic Fort Steuben, a unique artifact of the Great American Survey. A surveying museum is now in process of being developed in one of the blockhouses in historic Fort Steuben under the sponsorship of the Professional Land Surveyors of Ohio. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. All right, let's get on with our guests this evening. We have Eric Cabading, and a little bit about Eric before we loop him in. He was born in Fresno, California, grew up in Santa Cruz. He, uh, he is a product of the California State School System, as he says. Uh, living in Orlando now, he loves the ocean and golfing. Uh, his current role is the executive vice president of Geotel Communications. We're going to learn everything there is to know about Geotel here in just a couple minutes. This is interesting. Oh. Four patents for telecom technology. Wow. We will have to circle back on that as well. Mm -hmm. And besides the beach and golf, Eric loves GIS and hanging around good people. Welcome to the Geoholics, Eric. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, tell us about the four patents. Very curious about that, first of all. Well, the worst part is you guys are not going to like this part, especially if you're involved with college football. So basically, this started back in the late 80s. And what was basically what it is, is the, the blackout. So what we had to determine with the patent is the number of 
lines that were coming in. And this is all before really the digital age. This is very analog. So what they had to do is figure out the amount of broadband, not broadband, broadcast that was going to happen within a given market area. And given, you know, you have the local market and then the network uh, market that goes along with that. So we had to determine as a telco at the time who sees it and who does it. So the reason why local why you cannot sometimes see your local teams is because of how my patent it came out because it sits there and goes through the spatial analysis of where the game is happening and then <laughs> with a buffer that goes around that. So it's been a while and it keeps evolving for each new technology that comes along. Wow. The the, pit, the patent actually is then more exposed. So it goes, it went from DSL, went to BIOS, then went to UVerse, and then went to the fiber. So it keeps escalating up to the next level of service. So it, it was fun. It was something that is it was like almost 20 years ago, and it's not the direct reason why you cannot see certain local college games, but it's probably the reason why. <laughs> oh, so you're the guy to blame. So mm-hmm. my, my question is, after the show, on the down low, can you tell us how to turn it off? Right? <laughs> no, there's got to like be a crowdsourcing way we can influence this so I can get the games I want to see. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, time for our Trimble Pro Point icebreaker. This week's question, and I'll let you go first here, Eric. In your opinion, what is one of the best qualities a person can possess? Honesty. Honesty. Ah, I like it. Yep. Yeah, what do you got, Sean? Uh, It's going to sound odd that I'm going to say this, given the personalities of Kent and I, but uh, I would say humility. Oh, I'm a huge believer in that one. No question. No question. Um, What would I go with? Um, Integrity? I guess same thing as honesty. Integrity is a good one, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Short memory. Yeah, be a goldfish. That's a good one. Be a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's get into the meat of this here just a little bit. Um, a, a good portion of the episode this evening is going to be, you know, focused on GIS. And then we're definitely going to get into what Geotel does because you guys are doing some really interesting stuff. So um, before we move on, Eric, why don't you give our listeners your, I guess, definition or summary of, uh, of, of what GIS is? And GIS has definitely changed a little bit from where I started. I actually started GIS back in the late 80s, mm-hmm. uh, pre-Pentium, pre-Windows on a dock on a 286. So oh, wow. there wasn't a lot of system technology. Um, and that I think that's the beauty of GIS. As the hardware and the technology enhanced, so did GIS in itself. So GIS, it's funny because now they're saying geographic information systems, mm-hmm. and now they're saying geographic information science. So it has changed wow. a little bit from, and it's interesting, when I was back in school, there was no such thing as GIS back in college. I had to get a geography degree, and I, w- I started the whole marry your your mapping capability to the digital age. And so that's really where I started my journey on better understanding on. I love making maps, it basically coming out of a high school into college, and then I had to determine and that's really at the digital digital age was happening. We had a 286, and it's like, what are you going to do? How do you do this mapping? And that's really the, I hate to say the start of it, but mm-hmm. it was. And kind of reverse that a little bit more, as you guys know who ESRI is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And here's a little story. Jack Benjamin would actually go to all the local uh, colleges around Redmond down there in San Diego area, 
and he would go to each of the geography classes and say, what would you do or how would you attempt to better understand making maps you know, online? Nobody knew what online was back then. So it's like making a digital map. How would you do it? So we, it was neat because it was almost like a, it was just <laughs> it was a brain game. We sat there and came out with all these great ideas. And not that he harvested all of our ideas and went back to ESRI, but it was almost like that. So it's a beautiful thing of everything. When he came down into our local school, we spoke to him. He got really great information from us and great ideas of what we wanted to do. And then he went back to ESRI and make it, made it happen. So it, it, it's neat that he came out and kind of got the, the, the premise of what we were thinking, but he was able to execute it in a digital age on an old 286 or 386 and all of a sudden mapping online was born. So wow, it was wow. amazing. So I love CIS transition from old school, you know, paper, pencil, map, um, to the digital age. So that's a, that, to me, that was the, one of the biggest transitions for GIS. That was your brush with GIS royalty. Really was. Yeah. That's, beginning. Yeah, so, no question. I think my GIS fascinating. And even to go back a little bit further on that, my father worked at um, Stanford Linear Accelerator Center, um, basically, you know, they, uh, doing the um, the, uh, the colliding of the uh, what is it, the, the molecules or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and he had to learn CAD back in the early '80s, so he ended up having to be shipped off to Alabama to learn what CAD was in the first place oh, wow. and go full circle. And then I went to college to understand what you know, GIS was even in existence when I went to college, but on the output it was. And what he started is kind of what I, not finished, but what my journey was part of what he started. So it was, it was full circle to me because my, da my dad was all the schematics, what he worked on. And then I would see it every day on these beautiful blueprints. But then on the <laughs> spatial capability, that was the next step that I took of what he did. So it was fun. It's been a neat journey. I love kind of connecting the dots of you know, the CAD to GIS to what it is today. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That is very cool. And another thing, like, I, I, I'll be honest with you, until just now, I had not heard geographic information sciences. Yeah. I like that. That, oh. that is great. Oh, and that's the thing. Okay, I have to say, I'm an old school. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to go systems all day long. And I get it. <laughs> the new generation. And in college, it sounds so good on a pamphlet. I'm like, okay, I get it. So No, it does. I, I get it. I'm just old school with it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so you mentioned GIS, of course, and you also mentioned, uh, you know, the geospatial aspect of it. Um, how, how do the two, how are they, how, how do they kind of, how are they married, I guess, is the question. Sure. Well, actually, the spatial part is the power of GIS. What, what allows GIS to be so, not important, but allows you to make great decisions is the spatial capability. When you're trying to see what's, you know, the nearest point or what's within a buffer or, or anything or union, um, anything along those lines, that's what GIS really allows you to do. Because you can take a flat text ASCII file and bring it in, bring it to life with coordinates. All of a sudden you have a latitude, longitude sitting on a map, and now you can start seeing the lines and polygons and points come to life as you're building these maps. And then it's not just a static map anymore. It, it, it becomes life because that report that sits behind that map is that spatial capability that really shows you that to me, it reflects more than what that map shows you because that underlying data is that spatial capability that's going to take you to the next level to whatever you're trying to do with that, you know, that business solution or whatever you're trying to do, that spatial capability is going to get you there. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yep. And then, you know, you, you mentioned the GIS data and we talk about this all the time, how oh, sure. we have these, you know, computers in our hands 24 seven, which are cell phones and they are collecting data 24 uh, seven. Big brother's Absolutely. watching as they say. And that information is being used for both positive and negative applications, I guess. And we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But there's so many different types of data that's being collected. You know, there's the spatial aspect of it. You know, there's, you know, just the advanced analytics, the just massive amounts of data. And that's kind of, that's right in your wheelhouse, right, Eric? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And we, we are, we are small. What I love about GSL is I always say we're a small company that walks amongst the giants. Uh, we have a lot of the blue chippers as our clients. We work with all the major carriers and everything. And it's just, we've very pivoted ourselves in a niche area where because of GIS, it's really allowed us to show what that infrastructure on the telecom side looks like. Before, I always say we are the eyes of the data. So mm-hmm. you may be able to see it on the spreadsheet or in Excel and, you know, whatever that text file you're looking at. Until you get your eyes on what that map looks like and what that data is telling you, that's what's going to take you on that next level in GIS. And what's interesting, I I feel as though we all do GIS all day long on our phones. I love that you brought that up on the device. Um, Every time you put an address inside of your your map to see where you're going, what is that doing? It's geocoding that address on coordinates on a map, and it's then determining where you are to get to your destination, either the shortest or the fastest destination. That pure GIS, we do it every day on our phones. So it's just, I love that people don't understand that that's what they are doing, but I'm like, that's, that's GIS, guys. So yeah. anyway, it's very basic, but it is what it is. <laughs> well, I, I like the idea of, you know, not re- reminding people, but understanding that that dot on that map, those are two separate things. Like the dot and the map have to come together for it to make, mean something useful. And without those two coming together is mm-hmm. what we're exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Right on. For sure. Um, so what, what, tell us exactly what Geotel does um, prior to us getting introduced to you and getting you, you know, booked to be on the show. I, you know, obviously had not heard of the company before. Now I've done some research, checked out the website, super cool. Um, but just, you know, Summarize as best you can exactly what GeoTel does with all this data. Sure. We, we specialize in basically the telecom infrastructure database. And so what we're able to do is it's all telecommunications. We do everything from understanding where, you know, business locations are down to where the fiber carrier, the carrier fiber routes are located to where they're lighting that fiber lift buildings. We track cell tower data so we can tell you where the 5G is or where it's being, you know, basically where it's being originated from. And on the fiber lip buildings, we can tell you where the new data centers are coming online, fiber routes on our carriers. That's one of the big things for us. That's our really our big niche is we probably are the only company that really allows you to look at all and the number of carriers that we have. And we've been in business over 22 years now, but it's just because we've been collecting the data so long and we standardize it so well in such a precise, accurate database that allows you to really do, if you're a new, you know, if you're, if you're a new business to seeing who you should be working with and you're like, I need to build a new data center, where should I go? 
you would want to work with us because we're going to show you exactly where you need to be. And we're going to show you through demographics, firmographics, through all of our telecom databases from you know central offices to the, the uh, not just the data centers for the point of presence. We can show you where the carriers are, the cell tower. We will show you relationally how everything is connected together. So once you put a point on that map, you'll see how all those different data sets are related together based on your site location. And that's what we... And that's, I love what we do. It, it, it's funny because I actually used to be a client of Geotel's. And that's one of the reasons I, I came that. on board is because I know the data so well. And I, I basically, the patents that I do have, I was working for another company at the time when I developed those because I knew the data so well that allowed me to really, again, create, the, create that technology as I was doing it. So I know the power of our data. And that's one reason when I retired out of where I was, it just made sense to come over to Geotel because I know what we do so well. And it's not just being a subject matter expert. It's really understanding a use case when a client comes to us and really helping them come up with the best business solution they can have when they're, you know, whatever that determination they're looking at. And I just, just feel we're at that point where we can help you get over the finish line, especially on those telco type of items. Hey, Geoholics, we want to take a second to give a shout out to another one of our amazing friends of the program. This week, we have Trimble Geospatial. Trimble Geospatial provides solutions that allow you to make your mark using high quality, productive workflows and information exchange, driving value for a global and diverse customer base of surveyors, engineering and GIS service companies, governments, utilities and transportation authorities as well. Trimble's innovative technologies include integrated sensors, field applications, real-time communications and off software for processing, modeling, and data analytics. Trimble is pioneering the future of data intelligence, converging people, product, and place seamlessly to help you make your mark and leave your legacy. This is known as the Trimble Geospatial Advantage. Find out more at geospatial.trimble.com. And if you haven't already, be sure to get registered for this year's Trimble Dimensions Conference in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. We will see you there. Uh, yeah, you mentioned something. I have a question. Maybe it. Uh, I, I, let me just ask. Uh, and I understand the benefits of knowing, you know, where the cell towers are and everything. And I, I guess I'm ha- I'm curious, what is the benefit of uh, the locations of data centers? Like for some reason, I Ooh. think that data set. You know, it doesn't matter where they are because it's all connected, so they can be anywhere. It's just that's where the data is stored. And what's the benefit of those locations? It's interesting you say that because most of the time the people that come to us are the ones that are building those data centers. So they're the ones that are looking. And it's, I love you asking the question because data centers went from your major metropolitans in the middle of New York, Los Angeles, and Dallas. And now they're in the middle of you know Wyoming and Montana off the grid. It, it's all solar um, fed. And it's just. It's unique of how I actually I love that industry a little bit. <laughs> All right. comes together, but the data centers are just part a part of the the entire I want to say the fabric of the telecommunications. But it is because your data center is going to be housing not just your central offices, your point of presence is going to be. It basically houses all of your different equipment types for that ILEC that's doing business in that territory. So what's nice is you have all the capability in one spot. And you don't have to go elsewhere for it. Everything's there, and you can actually execute your entire business plan based on that. Okay. There's different types of fiber, if, I, if I've heard mm-hmm. correctly. What, 
there's like what dark and lit and what what do those terms mean as it pertains to fiber? Sure, you have dark, you have lit, you have uh, backhaul, long haul, you have IOF infrastructure. Uh, inner office uh, fiber, metro fiber, basically what it is. Um, I'm sorry, one more time. What was the question? One more time. Yeah, Just what, what is the difference between those different fibers? Oh, okay. So dark fiber really is, so one of the bigger, uh, so the biggest company in dark fiber is Zayo right now. And all they do is lease fiber. So if you see dark fiber, that means somebody's leasing it out to another carrier to use as a dedicated source. So they can now use that, that, that dark fiber for their own, you know, business purposes, whatever the case is. And so once it's dark, you lease it out. Now it's lit. So basically mm. what it is, it's capacity. Zayo, when it says dark fiber, that means capacity fiber. That means you have an opportunity, whatever that market is or wherever you are, that means you have an entry point to get into that network based on that dark fiber. And once you get into it, it is now a lit fiber because you now not own it, but you now license it and you now control that services and the products coming off of that mine. Interesting. It really is. I have to I have to say something about fiber really quick, and yeah. it's it, it, it's naive and dated, but I we're not talking Metamucil. We are not talking Metamucil or Triscuits <laughs> or anything else, all the d- those different types. But when I was a kid in the eighties and early nineties, I remember going to Disney World and seeing in the you know Epcot or Tomorrowland or wherever <laughs> it was. They had the little fiber lines, and it was like all it's all future stuff. Then oh, yeah. it was like, oh yeah, this is how everything you know communication and everything's going to go with these fiber lines, and it was all these fluorescent colors and everything. <laughs> yep. And now that's like where how all data. I mean, that's the only way all data is transmitted, and that was twenty, thirty years ago. And and I know that it was <laughs> very simplified at Disneyland or Disney World, but yeah. to me, that's what I think about is. Man, that was a thing that long ago, right. and now it's everywhere, and that's the the name of the game. <laughs> so, how do you map all these fiber lines? I mean, how do you? I'm sure they're in your mapping. They have to be geo referenced somehow. How do, how does that happen? So, it, it's a great question because that's very important. It goes back to spatial competence. We want to make sure any type of data we get in being assets, they are where they belong. So when we do any digitizing, we want to make sure as a standardization that it, the fiber is basically, if you're trying to determine between, let's say, 250 to 500 feet spatially, we need to make sure that fiber is where it belongs. So that's what we do is digitize it directly into our database. Mm-hmm. So when we do receive from all of our different sources the, the different carrier fiber outs, we just don't put them in production. We go through a standardization and a truthing process to make sure that the fiber is valid and it's lit and it is where it belongs. Same thing when you look at our fiberlit buildings. We have over 13 million fiberlit buildings. I think 92% of them are geocoded to the rooftop to the middle of that parcel. And what we're trying to do is be as accurate as possible, again, on that spatial side of the house. Because if you're doing anything that has to do with queries, joins or whatever the distance is we want to make sure the assets are where they belong hmm. so that is huge to me. i always call it spatial confidence i think that should be that whenever you say gis that should be the second thing you should say spatial confidence hmm. yep i like that um and so what percentage of fiber do you think geotel has mapped for the united states 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Woo. Great question. Oh. Is, that, uh, is, that, is that a secret? You can't share that? Great question because... Or is this an internal <laughs> internal conversation or external conversation? I'm like, okay, where do I even start with that? Because I mean, we want to work with every single telephone company or ILS there is in the United States. I mean, every wire center who owns it, we want to make sure we have their digital footprint. We want to make sure they have their fiber, and that's what we do. We want to make we go out there every day, and that's that's. We are searching, we are maintaining, we are always looking for new carriers, existing carriers, seeing where, you know, where the next level of technology is expanding so we can keep our databases updated as we do it. So that's something that's very important to us. And when you look at that, I mean, our big thing is we know we have, you, oh gosh, how do I even look at this without being a marketing employee? Um, <laughs> when you look at the carriers, put it like that, yeah. we feel as though we are solid with the top 20 carriers. But I think it, I, I love the question because it's not just the amount of carriers we have. It's really finding the carriers are going to make a difference in what's happening in the U.S. right now. Um, what's happening right now really with the government is providing great amount of funding when it comes down to underserved communities for broadband. Mm. And that has been huge for us because the city of the county of the school district of come to us and say, Hey, we got some funding from this, you know, from the government, we need to better understand in our area where fiber isn't so we can help the you know, underserved areas get some connectivity. To me, that is one of the most important things that we do on a daily basis is being involved in those type of projects from the federal level to the state to the local level. That is something that we're always working with. And it's outside the metro areas, which is even better. Those rural areas that really need connectivity, that's where I feel as though we can come and play and really help those, you know, those schools or those counties, those little towns that don't have a lot of fiber and they need to be connected. That's where I feel like we can make a difference and connect those mm -hmm. towns to the larger metropolitan or even to a big, you know, long haul backhaul that's going by. We need to get those connectivity out there either to the kids in the schools or to those counties in the city. So that's something that obviously I'm passionate about. This is something that's, <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. This is something that's really important to me and it's beyond just you know generating revenue. It's making a difference with our data. And I think that's our space and that's our place of what we do. Well, it's interesting you say that because that's been a common theme in the last uh, couple months for us talking to GIS or professionals in the mm -hmm. GIS space is what usually comes out is we're using this data to not, you know, not just because we have it, but to find out where it needs to go, whether yeah. regardless of what it is, broadband yeah. service, anything that you can put on a map. The mm -hmm. most important thing is figuring out where it is and where it isn't because usually it's a needs basis kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, you know, using that information and that data to improve the quality of life for people. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. I, I, and I think that is very important to understand too. And then again, it, it's more than just making money. This is making a difference in the world. And I, I get it. We, we, businesses are here to make money. So I, I get that, but this is where I feel as though we do more than just do that. And then it's making a quality choice and making a difference, as you said, in people's lives because of what we bring to the table. So do you think there will ever be an alternative to fiber? Absolutely. So I love you bring that up. Uh, right now, rural areas up in Canada, uh, they are doing low-level satellite broadband. 
Uh, they have an Earth station down, of course, down on the on the planet. And what that does is now you know, it, it may be a little more expensive, but these rural areas where it, these telcos aren't going to spend a lot of money to put fiber out to a community of a thousand people that are like 800 miles away from a metro. What they can do though is build these space stations and be able to get. And it, it is you're going from you know seventy nine to a hundred dollars to maybe four to five hundred dollars, but you're getting speeds out there that you would never have had in the first place. So it, it, it's not replacement. I I, I think really what mm-hmm. it is it, it's 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 depending on your it's always site location. So if you're in a rural area, GIS is going to get you the next level of where you can get you or your speed and your broadband from. So to me, it's just you know it's. It's kind of like a stacked deck. Everything is together. It's not necessarily what's better and what's not. It's all de- dependent on your location. If you're in a very rural area, let's see what we can do for you. Is it going to not be fiber to your home? All right. Is it going to be wireless? Uh, maybe not. Oh, it's going to be satellite instead. It's just understanding the different options that we have for those communities or those locations that just need to better understand what they're doing. Is there another technology coming out that, you know, you mentioned wireless and satellite, but is there a faster fiber out there that, you know, by the time you've got fiber everywhere in the country, then we're right back behind it with, you know, fiber 2.0 or whatever's next after that, that's 10 times faster that we don't even know about yet? It's not quite like the computers where like every like year and a half, you got to replace it or update it. Well, you just assume that, right? (laughs) Right. <laughs> what I like about the fiber is the capacity already. It's already a very much thorough. It's it, it's a wide open pipe. Okay. So you push speeds, you can push capacity. So it, it's it's not that it's you know not unknown, but it's just it's unlimited almost. It's depending on what your needs are, the telco to the company to the equipment. It can all gear it and you know basically tailor to your needs of what you need as a business. I love it. And that's kind of a combination of speed and capacity. Is that right? Completely. You have to. And then that, that's the beauty part of it because, I mean, that's something we always would love to know, but it's just so many moving parts when you come to, hey, tell me the number of strands in a pipe. Tell me what the capacity mm-hmm. of that pipe is. Right. And I think that's what speak is we work directly with those carriers to better understand, you know, where is that located? Can we help our client that we have better locate that? And that, again, you're going back to GIS. Let's get into that, and we can do more, you know, targeted focusing when we use the spatial data to get there. Mm-hmm. How much uh, dark fiber is out there? Is there still a lot of fiber available? Oh, now that's a, that's a great question, Kat. Um, well, when you look at Zayo, that's all, that's Zayo's business model. They yeah. they have to be specialized in dark fiber, and any fiber that's not use is considered dark so that's kind of a mm-hmm. it's weird that's a, it's a great question i just don't know how to answer it appropriately because i'm like just because it's not being used doesn't mean that it's it's not there it's, sure. it's about to be used. so it's just like oh <laughs> yeah. that's a deep question not quite black and white though <laughs> here's another uh not black and white question for you um since we had a guest on last week that is uh, an attorney for the development of the metaverse. Here we go. Is there going to be Ooh. is there going to be a need for fiber in the metaverse? Absolutely. You're going to have to be. Whoa! Oh, yes. 
I will say yes, absolutely, because that metaverse is going to have to be able to ride on a network that's going to deliver the results. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. So funny. What's next after 5G? Ten. They're already working on 10G and 11G. Wow. That's yeah. insane. And they're, what, what about 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? Or 6, 7, 8, 9? Yeah, yeah, clearly we skipped 6G. I didn't get that phone, so I guess I'll hold out for 10. <laughs> so what's amazing is when you look at 4G and 4G LTE, those telcos barely, I don't want to say scrape the surface. They probably expanded that technology no more than maybe 50 to 60% of what it could really do before they went up to the next 5G level. And that's what's happening to That's something I'm noticing when you're seeing. I love the, the, the leap to the next technology, but I never feel as though we're really taking the previous technology and seeing what it can do completely. And we're just already jumping to the next one. Like, all right, let's go. Does it make a difference on how big that pipe is or what the capacity is? We know there's more, and it's the next level up. We're going there. Wow. I get it for the frequencies and everything that's happening with the banding with the government. I mean, I, I get it. I don't know all the different, not just the players, but the components that bring it all together. But I I know for 4G LTE, we barely got to 60% before we already jumped to 5G, and we rarely knew what that, that technology did. That's crazy. What do you say to people that – you know, they were alarmed. They had cause for concern, you know, with 5G moving in. They're concerned about the frequencies and how it could affect their health and things like that. Is that just kind of hogwash or is there something to that? No. I, I, it's so tricky. <laughs> I, can see, I can see my age. You can plead the fifth if you want. You can plead the fifth. I really do. When you let me, it's like, oh, your phone, you know, creates radiation when you yeah. put it to your, to your, I, I get, I, I'm sure there's somebody in the world that's sensitive to it. I, I guarantee you that, but I, I, I look at that as hogwash a little bit. I, I, I just don't see any <laughs> repercussions of that. So no, yeah. definitely not. Hello again, Geoholics. Another quick shout out to a friend of the program, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. Advanced Geodetic Surveys specializes in mapping and land surveying equipment and has been proudly doing business since 1991. AGS has consistently provided expertise in surveying and mapping industry. They offer a comprehensive list of competitive surveying and mapping products and services. The staff at AGS has combined experience of over 135 years. With that in mind, you can be sure that they are able to solve any problems and obstacles that you may encounter in the field. Their number one priority is customer satisfaction. They look after their clients and strive to provide a hassle-free experience for all your GPS mapping or surveying needs. Go to agsgps.com forward slash shop. And if you use promo code GEO15, you will receive 15% off all regular price field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment. So who are like, who are your clients? I'll explain the Geotel business model. Ooh. See, and I don't know if I can just come right out and tell you who our clients are. Um, That's fine. Well, we you can do, tell us like the type of client and kind of how, how, how the basic structure all, is without any, any too much institutional knowledge. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So all the big carriers, we work directly with all the big carriers and they're all clients of ours. But on the IT side, like search engine, 
we do work with the biggest search engine there is, and I, I think that's huge for us. Uh, we also work with the company that you're able to post all of your information, your your uh, your photos, what you do on a daily basis. We work with all the different social media, and they're all clients of ours, and they're always looking to see what more they can do. And they have to know uh, when you're looking. Oh, oh, I'm gonna let it out. When you're looking at um, like. <laughs> oh, I can hear I'm going to get in trouble on this one. Um, oh, Google. You look at Google. Where's Google going? Um, and where's their fiber located? Where's their data centers located? You know, and how are they getting communities? It, I love Google because they are so flexible. When they go into a community or when they go into a market area, they really look at that market area and see how do I get in there? Kansas City, when they went in there, they went through the school. They went to every one of the local schools. They're like, hey, you know, we're going to, for every student that comes to this school, we're going to help our, you know, those families get more broadband. It was a great idea. They came to Austin. They didn't go to school. They went to the small businesses. They were like, hey, small businesses, we're going to hook you up. Where do you want to go? And then they start building the fiber for them. I love Google because they're so nimble. Um, they, they, their business model, it reflects whatever is happening in a market area. They're one of the few ones that really are able to do that just because it, their business model just blows everything out of the water besides that. Everybody else, it's just, it's a more tactical. They look at it or strategical, either way you're looking at it. Um, and it's just, it, it depends on where you're coming into the info market or into the, the infrastructure market. And that's something that we try to track a little bit. But when you're looking at our clients, you're looking at blue chippers across the board. We work across all the different carriers. We work with a lot of the big consultants. Um, we're pivotal. We, we are part of the data repertoire. If you're trying to determine anything that has to do with telecom infrastructure, you're going to come to Geotel because we're the ones that have the linchpin that allows you to get over that finish line. Hmm. So interesting. Would you say that... The infrastructure records for, uh, you know, fiber and telecom are better than probably any other public utility? Great question. Ooh, that just, is a great question. I just, because I just, now you're looking. Yeah. Well, I, now from the electric, it, it, it's interesting because it's a great question because when you look, now you're comparing the, the electrical grid basically to the telecommunications. And a lot of times they overlap because for when you're looking mm -hmm. at fiber going um, coast to coast, it's going to be going across the transmission lines anyway. So it's usually one of the same until you start getting to the, the local areas where it spreads out a little bit. So, mm -hmm. oh, how would you say that? So uh, for the utilities, I, I feel as though when you look how telecom kind of, it's almost a oh, hand to glove they work in tandem. When you say utility, I feel telco falls into that also with electric, and they're one of the same. Electric tried to, what was it, 20 years ago when a lot of the energy companies were trying to get into the fiber game. Um, and they put a lot of fiber in the ground, and then because they were like, hey, you can plug into your, your output into your, uh, into your wall, and you're going to have fiber broadband. Uh, they went away from that, and they sold a lot. They built a lot of fiber. They sold all that fiber off to the other telcos. But that was something where it's like, it's so aligned to me. Those utilities are very parallel when you look at telecommunications and electric. 
because they're all going to the same home. They're all going to the same businesses. They're all having the same coverage area. So more than likely, they're all probably going to, or, you know, through the same path to get there. So to me, it's not one-to-one, but it's awfully close to, you're going to need power to generate your telecommunications and you're going to need telecommunications to get to those points anyway. So to me, it's kind of a team effort of how those two work together. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. That really is. All I know is, you know, you, we're, Sean and I work in the, you know, land development business. And from time to time you hear about these contractors hitting, uh, you know, a, a fiber line or pipe or whatever. And like, Ooh, it's a rainbow. And it's just like, looks like there's a million <laughs> wires in there. You know, I'm just like, how, how is that even fixable? Like if that gets cut, how does somebody even fix that thing? No, and I like you bring that up because like the, the real estate is one of the one of the verticals we're really trying to get into because we feel as though we can tell you at a location, at a building location, who all the carriers are and architecturally of what's happening at that location. It's going to really, it's going to be that 360. We're going to tell you what's in that building, underneath it, above it, and around it. So you can connect it all together on the real estate side. And we want to get down to that brochure level where we're going to tell you everything about that building or along with that real estate company Mm. of what's happened in that building along with the telco information that's going to support it. So to me, again, it's going back to that electric, it's almost one of the same where that, the the real estate I think is really leveraging now more on the telco information that's coming out on a building. Because if I'm, if I'm a big build, if I'm a big business guy and I am going to expand into a big building, I'm going to want to know who the carriers are. And if that carrier is connecting me to all my other locations, I need to know that. And that's something where, again, it's almost that parallel effort, but it's something you have to understand. Of the, you have to know the right questions to ask, of course, too. So it's exciting. I love this stuff. <laughs> so so what do you think about the, the concept of, you know, there's, I don't know what the everyone else's projection is, but there is maybe less of a need for office space and business owners to look to be buying big buildings outside of manufacturing? Like, has that something you guys are aware of? Or how do you, you know, if, if the migration is from big offices and cubicles to work from home, how do you see that playing into, into, into your guys' business? Good question. No, that's a great question because we've actually had companies come to us and they're like, look, our employees are going to be working from home for a while. We need to better understand based on their location, what's their speed tiers? Are they Mm. going to have better connectivity or do we need to bring them back in the office so they can have the correct connectivity and they can do what they need for their job? And that was something that was important to us. They're like, all right, in that case, it's more than just broadband and fiber. We need to make sure this company and their employees can have the same capability when they're not in their building at home. And that's something we had to really dial into. And I, again, going back to how tech, pandemic, I think that's been a great example of that. Uh, what almost 75, almost 70% of the, oh, the workload is everybody went back to home to work for a little bit on the management side. Mm-hmm. It worked. The broadband was, it, depending on what you were doing at, or your services, it did work. And I do believe, and it depends on those companies too. And if you're trying to save your money or resources and how much you trust your, your, <laughs> right. trust your, your, Exactly. So, I mean, for us, we're a small company, but we have no problem with everybody working from home because we know we have all the same capabilities we'd have in the office 
at home and we're able to do what we can. So it really depends on that company. Small companies, uh, it's funny, you say, I, I love you bringing it up. Small companies we're seeing are not so much on there. They want to bring people in. The larger companies want to save money, so they're pushing people out. But then you read an article today, you're like, oh, no, you know, Apple, they're asking everybody to come back in the office. And, you, you know, and then you hear all the, you know, the employees kind of barking about it. But it's like, all right, what's that going to take you? And I think it goes back to management, how you view management. Are you old school management? You know, it's, you have to have that vertical. You got the boss at the top and everything goes. Or do you have a plateau type of management where everybody's on the same line? Everybody's listening and you can see where they're all going. And I feel that's more progressive. I, that's the wrong word. People hate that word. But I feel as though on the business side, that's important where, you flatten that line, everybody's on the same page and they're moving in the same direction on the same technology. And I'll hate to say at the same speed and capacity. You guys are uniquely positioned to know whether your work from home staff really have the connectivity that they say they do or not. Like, ah, oh, it's really it's really rough over here. I right. can't join that Teams meeting. Yep. And then you're like, oh, no, you can't. I see you right here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, well, you no, got plenty of signal over there. <laughs> Exactly. That's but if we have a client out in Alaska, I, I will tell you now, I have one client, it's a little slower coming out of Alaska. And it's like, all right, I, I get it. You set the instance. I mean, they're on the, the furthest side of the country than we are here in Orlando on the East Coast. And they are, you know, they're, they're accessing our data. They're hitting all of our SaaS products. They're, it, it's, I love it because there's not that delay I was anticipating with it. So I'm like, all right, we're good. We, we have fiber going, canvassing across the entire country at great speeds. And I have clients at the very end of the earth that can get my data at great speeds. And I love it. Yeah, that's cool. So, Eric, I have one more question for you. Um, how are these Internet providers able to um, throttle the speed of your internet and charging more for a faster speed. How I think, is there like a, a, a dial that they just kind of turn it like, okay, this guy's paying a hundred dollars more. That dial has one symbol on it, a big dollar sign. So, <laughs> so I mean, are, can, can do they really have the ability to adjust the speed of your internet? Oh God! It just, it I don't know. Like a, I don't know if he's allowed to say this or not. It seems like a, it seems like a total racket to me. I mean, you know they can, but well, I mean, no, and I do believe it's like oh, do old telcos have a, the levers or the levers to sit there and control the speed? Yeah, damn, yes they do. That's, well, you don't have the control. Amazing. You just know where the levers are. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Exactly. Once you know where the fast paths are, you stick on the fast path. You know where the slow paths are, then. You learn, you nailed it. You learn the highway system on the network a little bit, and you know where the fast ones are, and you know where the slow ones are. So interesting. Great question. So oh. I'm gonna I, offline. I'm gonna give you my address, and I'm gonna have you uh, provide <laughs> me with some advice. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right on, kid. Love it. So <laughs> the sector that that you're in, that you specialize in, um, it, it seems very specialized, I guess is where I'm going. And I'm just curious, what is the demand for, you know, GIS professionals and, you know, data, data analytic professionals in your sector? It, it's, it's huge right now. And what, again, was kind of what driving a lot of that for our business, it, it, it's 
again, we work with all the big businesses out there, but it's what's happening right now, kind of governmental. When you see that, that funding coming in the broadband, that is a huge issue right now. So these, these counties and cities, they want to get that slice of the pie so they can really get out there and expand what their fiber deployment is in their towns or account, whatever the case is. Mm. That has been used for us. Um, like the last three or four quarters, we have added, added an additional 175 new carriers just based on our research and getting out in those communities that we didn't know there was carriers out there until we went out and we start doing our, you know, I call it feed on the street or a survey curious cruise. And we start understanding, Oh, you have one little town that has like 10 miles worth of fiber. And then they're teaming up with the next town up the, you know, up the road. It, these are all Lex's. I don't want to keep saying towns, but mm-hmm. they are towns. Sure. These Lex, you know, the next Lex up the road. And next thing you have six or seven, you know, Ilex are these towns in the middle of nowhere, a hundred miles worth of fiber. And they're plugged into like an 18 T or a, a, a Lumen or a Verizon, but then you all of a sudden you have, you know, you're like, what's the population? Oh, 200,000 population. And all of a sudden you're like, how does 175,000 people out of 200 now have fiber access? It's a beautiful thing. Wow. So- <laughs> yeah, it really is. Wow. And, it, and then the, the rural communities are getting, the, and that's the, we need to push this technology out to all, and of course all of the U.S., but out to these little small farm towns or these communities that don't, they have dial-up still. They have analog type of switch wow. information. I'm like, we could do more. That's amazing that there's still communities out there like that. I, to be honest, I didn't yep. even realize that. That Yeah. yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, so before we start to wrap this up, is there anything else about Geotel that you want to make sure we talk about? Ooh, it's going to sound like a self pitch. (laughs) Now's your Um, chance. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Well, okay, so what I do know, just because of my background, and I used to be a client of Geotel's, and I do know Geotel's have the most carriers there are in our fiber out database, our carrier fiber out database, um, but by triple, by three times. So we know we know a lot more than our next competitor and we are more accurate than our next competitor just by how we go through our standardization and how we digitize mm-hmm. it, it again i'm a gi my background's gis but so when i look at an asset that asset better be where it belongs or i'm going to have an issue mm-hmm. and that was a big thing when i came over from my from my previous um career over to geotel my spatial confidence we need to do and it was already there but we were able to expand it more and grow it more and that's to me it's it's not just having the number of carriers that we have but it's being accurate information from our fiber routes from our fiberless buildings to our cell towers or 5g where the data centers are going we understand how the infrastructure works and how it's connected and I think that is where we can help all of our clients better, you know, better, you know, whatever their project is, we can help them with that solution. So that's kind of our little niche. We have everything in a spatial format where a lot of our, you know, I don't hate to say client or uh, competitors don't, mm-hmm. but that's our niche. We have carriers in a GIS format that allows you to do this spatial capabilities, these spatial analysis that you couldn't anywhere else. And that's what we bring to the table. Great pitch, Eric. Well done. Well done. (laughs) I'm sold. Yeah, exactly. I'm not a client, but I want to (laughs) be. Right. (laughs) So, Uh, 
what um you know you're obviously and I, I love when we have guests on that are as passionate as you are about what you do um you know what what are you excited about moving forward you know whether it be a year down the line or five years down the line um you know what 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 gets you out of bed in the morning oh i'm a data guy so you give me data and i could dig into it the next morning that's going to make my day but um, it's really how the technology is evolving, I think, and it's understanding the wireless side is exciting to me. Uh, there's so much capability when it comes down to it, and I, I really feel not that it's going to replace fiber because everything in your own fiber speeds, wireless, that's great. Um, but it is, it is important to better understand that because all of a sudden, if you don't have to put that infrastructure in the ground anymore mm-hmm. and you're still getting those speeds that you need and the connectivity you need and it's saving you money, that's crucial. That's great. And that's, and that's for the smaller and medium businesses that are surviving, especially, you know, today and the inflation, all that's going on, that's going to be crucial for them moving forward. So I I really feel it's going to, it's going to be more customized for them moving forward also, where I think as a business or as a telco, you're going to get exactly what you need and not have to pay more than what you need because you're going to get it. Um, And so I I guess in the future, what I'm looking at is more defined. I'm not looking at, I want a package. No, I'm looking at specifics. I want this, I want that, and this. And this is all I need. I don't need anything else. And I think that's the level that you're getting now. Because right now I feel as though when you get a package, you get a lot of things you don't need that you have to pay more for. Mm. Moving forward, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're going to get exactly what you need and not have to pay more for it. And it's just going to be more precise for you. Hmm. Probably because there's more competition, right? I mean, look what, you know, Elon Musk is doing with Starlink and um, just some amazing things that are happening. It's incredible. You nailed it, Ken. Right on. Yep. Cool. Awesome. It's exciting. We do. Uh, And it's not just telecommunications. It's really making a difference in the world, not just with our data and making money, but it's just doing the better thing that we have to do. So I enjoy it. Yep, it's obvious that you do. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's right. I, I think it's I think it's well accepted that connecting people and connecting people with data is is a benefit for everybody. So no I don't question. think there's that's in doubt at all anymore. No doubt about it. Any- get school. Every school needs to be online. Period. That's how that should be the motto going forward. Every school, elementary, high school, I don't care what it is. Every school should be connected. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm amazed that every school is not online. Right. I guess I'm so out of touch with the reality when it comes to this stuff. (laughs) Really? It it drives me nuts. We get brought into these projects. I'm like, we have to do better. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No question. No question. All right. Anything else? Anything else you want to get out there? It's been a a great, great conversation. Really? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, we do have to ask you this. So we ask all of our guests the same question. Uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Ooh. Oh, uh, <laughs> nothing I can really share, share, but uh, no, not really. Yeah. No. Oh, God, that's so deflating. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Connect or die. How's that one? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on the, on the first little play, I'll probably do, but nothing in this arena. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's great. That's awesome. Well, again, Eric, we uh, we can't thank you enough for your time. Really enjoyed the conversation. Um, anything else there, uh, Sean, before we let no. Mr. Cabining uh, enjoy the rest of his evening? 
No, 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 this has been cool. Like I, a lot of stuff I didn't even realize and how, how involved all this data is and what yep. you can do with it really. No question. No question. It's all, all connected. All right. Well, well, Hey, another, uh, friend making value adding show. That's for sure. Uh, tons of fun. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show or have any topical ideas, shoot us an email at info at the geoholics.com. If you haven't already visit our website, get signed up for our weekly email, uh, bad finger, baby blue available everywhere until next time, everybody, uh, be a goldfish, be a goldfish. And most importantly, be safe and healthy. Thank you to our 2022 Friends of the Program, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Airworks, airworks.io, Bad Elf, bad-elf.com, Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com, Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com, Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com, North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com, ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Topodot, new.certainty3d.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.